guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD podcast and happy Monday. I hope you all had a great holiday spent with friends and family, and I hope you're getting ready for the new year. Today, we're going to seal it off with the last episode of the year with Pennsylvania College of Optometry, Salis University. Um, we're back with another admissions episode today with Monica from PCO. Um, she's the admissions director, so she's going to talk to us about the regular program, the accelerated three-year program, and the international program. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, Monica, thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, we can't wait to hear more about Salis um, College of Optometry. Yes, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit more about our program and our offerings. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get started first with some admissions-related questions. Um, so first and foremost, what are you looking for in an applicant? When you get an application in, um, what are some things that are immediate um, goes, and then what are some things that maybe um, don't look as good on an application? Sure. So um, here at uh, PCO, Pennsylvania College of Optometry at Silas University, we really try to take a more holistic approach to reviewing applications. Um, you know, we do look at the academic side of things, of course. So we take a look at how a student has done primarily in their sciences, um, as well as prerequisites. Um, and we will take a look at their overall GPA also. The admissions committee really does like to see strong science course loads. So you don't necessarily have to be a science major, but it definitely helps if you are able to really, you know, up your um, semesters with, you know, at least two, if not three, maybe even four um, sciences, because that will really help to demonstrate your ability to handle a rigorous course load, which is what you're going to see when you come into an optometry program like PCO. Um, we also take a look uh, at test scores. Um, at, as of right now, we are accepting the optometry admissions test, but we also accept the GRE along with MCAT, the DAT, the, P, the, the PCAT, and the DAT. Um, so all of those different health professions admissions tests we are willing to look at. And we decided to do that because um, we wanted to kind of provide more options for our students in terms of which test is you know, more accessible to them, or maybe um, there was a student that initially was interested in one profession and then, you know, decided along the way that optometry was a better fit. We didn't want to have that have make them um, or require them to take another admissions test if, if possible. Um, we do require that tests are taken within two years of admission into a program, um, but we, we are, we have expanded the type of tests that we're um, we are accepting. That being said, when we look at test scores, um, we really look at each section. We'll use the OAT as an example. We try to look at each section of the OAT. Typically, the committee likes to see at least the 300 mark, which is like 50th percentile. Um, but, you know, when someone might score lower than the 50th percentile, then we take a look at grades because if maybe they didn't do so well on their exam, but their grades are really strong in that particular topic or subject area, it, it really does help to balance things out. Um, but academics is not the only thing. Um, it is a clinical profession. So it's not just about, you know, making it through your coursework, but it's also making it through the patient care experience and really showing that you are able to 
to provide that um, really good clinical um, interaction and professional um, skills. Um, so we take a look at things like your letters of recommendation, um, your experience in the field, um, as well as uh, your essay, you know, how you got to this point in your uh, education and in, in your interest in optometry, as well as the interview. So we do um, invite for interview for the um, optometry program. Um, and that does play a, a good part in the decision-making process as well. Awesome. So um, just to clarify, so you said you guys take a holistic look at the application and the applicant as a whole. Um, so that being said, do you have like a dead set minimum for scores or GPA? We actually don't um, because of our holistic approach. Um, I will say that, so we have two tracks in our optometry program. We have a traditional four-year degree program and we have an accelerated three-year degree program. Because of the accelerated nature of the three-year degree program, we are looking um, at the student's ability to handle you know, a rigorous science course load. So that GPA does have, that program does have a GPA requirement or at least a strong recommendation for 3.5 or higher. But for our traditional four-year program, we, we tend to say if you have a 2.7 or lower, definitely contact us for, first before applying so we can kind of take a look at your application and give you feedback. But because of our holistic approach, we're really looking at you know, what brought the student to this final GPA or to this um, overall academic average on their test scores or, or total science on their test scores. Um, it is important, I'm, I'm not saying it's not important, but it's definitely, we don't have like a strict cutoff. We, we're, we're, we look at, you know, um, upward trend in grades, for example. So maybe if a student didn't start out too well in their undergrad, but they realized, you know, you know, this is what I need to do in order to do well in my courses. I need to change my study habits. Um, I'm more motivated because I know exactly what I want to do now. Um, and they really brought up their grades, especially in their junior and senior year. We look at things like that. Um, if they retook the exam, we take the um, super score. So, you know, we'll look at the higher score at each section of each exam taken. Um, so things like that will all be taken into account. That's awesome. And it's good that you brought up that any applicant interested in PCO, they can contact you guys first before they even have um, an application with OptumCast. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. We offer right now because of COVID, we do, we're doing um, virtual counselings. Um, so we do offer virtual counselings to students for that are that haven't yet applied um, and that just want to take a look what we'll do is we'll we'll ask you to send your unofficial transcripts in advance so we can kind of take a look at where you're at in terms of prerequisites taken um, and completed and 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 it'll give us an idea of any suggestions we can give to you in order to strengthen your application awesome that is definitely a great resource so if anyone listening to this is interested and they still haven't submitted an application yet and just want to know where they're at um, in terms of their application, if they need to improve on something, um, that is definitely a great resource to utilize for sure. Um, so for this cycle, are you guys um, holding virtual or in-person interviews or is it kind of a mix of both? 
So what we decided to do um, is still do, um, so we um, transitioned into virtual interviews when the pandemic hit, obviously. Um, and we continue to do virtual interviews into this current cycle because we found it, it is really more um, accessible for students. Um, there's no travel cost involved. Um, and um, we want to be able to give as much opportunity to our students as possible. So we do have the virtual interview um, that we do. However, we have started doing in-person tours. So separate from the interview um, day, if a student, especially a student coming from farther away, if they decide they want to check out the campus um, in person and get a feel for what it's like to be on campus, meet with some students, um, you can schedule an in-person tour throughout um, throughout the cycle. Um, so we're kind of doing a little bit of a hybrid process, but the, the interview itself is, is virtual um, and the tour is optional. Awesome. So for the tour, um, do you have to uh, have completed your interview prior or can you just schedule a tour if you just want to um, get a feel for the campus first? As of right now, we um, are only offering in-person tours for students that have interviewed or are invited to interview. Um, so we're hoping to open up campus a little bit more, you know, but since we're coming into the winter months and there's new variants, unfortunately, of the COVID, um, you know, uh, virus coming around, we just want to keep everyone safe. Um, so we're kind of keeping numbers small. Um, but we're hoping, you know, as we get into the warmer months and, and the vaccines hopefully start, you know, kicking in and everything like that, that we'll be able to open it up to all prospective students. Awesome. And um, how is the interview day structured? So um, when the applicant jumps on the, I'm assuming, Zoom call, um, what's kind of the structure of the interview day? How can they prepare for interview day? Sure. Um, so there's a couple different parts of the interview. Um, what we do is we actually use WebEx because it's what our, our campus uses. Um, so we'll use WebEx. It's very similar to Zoom. Um, but uh, when you schedule, we do online scheduling. So, um, you know, if you're invited for an interview, you'll get a link. You can go to a calendar where, and set up your interview according to what is best for your schedule. Once you confirm your interview date and time, you'll get a link. Um, and basically you can um, log on at that time and you'll be meeting with an admissions representative. That representative does have your access to your admissions file. So they will be doing a variety of different things. Um, so we'll be going through your application in terms of confirming different information, asking any questions about your grades or your test scores, um, making sure that your file is complete with all of its requirements, um, double checking that you know your letters are there and all that stuff. And we'll also be asking you about the profession. So be prepared to talk about optometry, what made you interested in it, you know, what have you done to learn about the profession, what are some opportunities and challenges, um, and then kind of also asking some questions to see about your um, understanding, your self-understanding of your strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Um, 
And then we'll open the floor to the applicant to make sure that all of their questions are answered as well. After the interview, um, you'll also have an opportunity to meet with the Dean of our college, Dr. Trego, Dean of PCL. That is, def is held on a weekly basis. There's a, um, a link that is sent out to our students where they can log on, meet with the Dean, and really just have like a Q&A with the Dean, which is pretty cool because she knows everything about the ins and outs of the curriculum um, and is really a great person to interact with, um, ask about externships and um, you know the, the didactic phase, the clinical phase, boards, um, all that stuff. And um, so we also give an opportunity for students to have Q&A with her on a weekly basis. Um, so you'll also get a link with that. And then also, um, you know, we give you information in regards to a virtual tour. We have an episode on Amazon Prime, which we're pretty excited about, called the College Tour. So that gives a lot of information about Salus University and PCL. So we give a link to that. And then we also give you the opportunity to schedule a tour at your own convenience as well. So um, again, you don't need to do the tour in order to have a decision rendered. Um, but we certainly encourage you co to come visit campus after your interview. Absolutely. And um, for the interview, all of it is open file, correct? Um, yes. Interview with? Correct. Yes. Well, the dean does not have your um, application information. So that, that interaction is, I guess you could say, closed file. Um, but your interview with the admissions representative is open file. Okay, um, so after you've um, completed your interview, either you scheduled uh, the tour or watched the um, virtual tour online, um, what's kind of the turnaround time? What should you expect um, in the coming steps after you've completed your interview? So we try to get decisions out as quickly as possible. Typically, we render decisions on our candidates that interview within a week to two weeks. Um, every once in a while, it might be a little bit longer than that, but that has really nothing to do with the candidate. It's just a matter of getting the admissions committee, you know, together to meet. Our admissions committee is made up of optometry faculty members, um, so they have a really good understanding of, um, you know, what it takes to be a successful optometry student. Um, so usually um, students will hear from us, like I said, within one to two weeks. Awesome. And do you guys offer any scholarships? And if so, how can you be considered for one? Yes, we do have uh, around, I would say, $150,000 worth of admission scholarships that we give out to our entering students. There is no application needed. Basically, um, our their scholarship committee takes a look at accepted students. Um, and we um, reward scholarships based on um, academics, as well as, um, you know, just the interview um, and, and different things like that, part of the, like the application as a whole, um, and they're awarded on a rolling basis. Um, so it's always good to apply early, because not only will you get your decision early, um, but you'll also get um, consideration for scholarship dollars early on. Awesome. Okay, and last but not least, um, as far as admissions related questions goes, you guys are very well known for your 3D accelerated program. Um, and we did uh, briefly mention it earlier, um, but how can you be considered for the program? Is that a specific application that you have to go through? 
um, what additional steps that you have to complete in order to be considered for that program. So for the Accelerated Scholars Program, there is no separate application. Uh, essentially, you'll go through a podcast like you would for the four-year program, and we have a question on our application that asks you which program you're applying to. So you can apply to just the traditional, just the scholars, or both at the same time. Um, when we see that you are interested in the Scholars Program, we do look at, um, I mentioned, there's a recommended minimum GPA of a 3.5, as well as minimum OAT scores of, um, I believe it's a 330, I wanna say. Um, if you've taken a different test other than the OAT, we'll kind of look at the percentiles and look at 60th percentile or higher. And then if you're, um, we're also looking at healthcare experience. So um, we want to make sure that the student, because they get into all of our students, regardless of which track that they're going into, will have early access to clinical experience. However, with the scholars program, it's even earlier. Um, so we want to make sure that students are coming in with some kind of clinical experience, whether it be optometry or any kind of healthcare. So we do require um, 100 hours of healthcare experience to enter, um, to be eligible for entry. Um, so all of those things will review applicants. Um, and from there, you'll be uh, invited for scholars. Um, if you are invited for a scholars interview, it is a multi, uh, multiple mini interview process, an MMI process. So a little bit different than the traditional program. Um, but if you um, come for the MMI interview, um, that does count towards both the traditional track and the scholars track. So you wouldn't have to interview again for traditional. You would be considered for both programs if you applied to both programs. Awesome. So just to recap, if you are applying to both, it's that one interview, the MMI interview, and you need at least a 330 on your OET, a GPA of 3.5 or higher, and at least 100 clinical hours. Correct. Correct. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the program itself. So um, obviously you guys have two programs and I'm pretty sure you have also an international program. Yes, we do. Okay. Are all those different? I know obviously the accelerated, that's a completely different thing. Um, but for the international and regular, do they take the same classes or is it different? Um, it depends on the student coming into the um, international program. So our international program is referred to as the advanced placement program. Um, and it's really designed for practitioners in other countries. Um, so they might be practicing, but they, they maybe want to um, either increase their education and get the doctor degree or come to the US and practice in the US. Um, so what we do is the, um, the admissions committee for the advanced placement program will take a look at what courses and what um, uh, you know, experience the student has coming into the program. And then we'll customize the program according to you know, um, what they've already done. Um, our advanced placement um, students also need to take the uh, part one of the uh, NBEO, the boards, um, and that will also help the, um, the program to determine their, their customized curriculum. Um, sometimes students need to do the full four-year program, like the traditional uh, four-year track, 
Other times they are able to accelerate based on their, you know, scoring on the part one of the boards, as well as their previous education and experience and their curriculum is shorter, sometimes three. Um, I never really see two years, but sometimes they're able to shave a year off their, their, um, their, uh, their education. Um, there are pro, there are courses where you'll see both of our traditional students and our advanced placement students in the same course. Um, and then there are times where they're in different courses. So um, it's same thing with the accelerated scholars program. Sometimes students are all in classes together, no matter what track they're in. And then other times they're, they're um, you know, split up according to their cohorts or their um, different degree tracks. Awesome. So that's really great that you guys have the customizable track for international students. Um, I've definitely had a few people reach out to me that were interested in that program specifically. Um, so that's good information to know. So for um, regular versus accelerated, when do they start seeing their first patients in clinic? So um, the accelerated cohorts begin a little bit earlier than the traditional. So each year we enter a class in July um, and they begin seeing patients within the first year. Um, so, um, you know, at first they get into clinic and, you know, it's limited, um, but as they, you know, start practicing and learning, um, and, and getting hands-on experience in the clinical lab, then they'll start getting hand, real hands-on experience with patients. For our traditional program, the um, entering cohort begins every August, which is our fall semester. And they do head to the Eye Institute, which is our training clinical facility. Um, we refer to it as TEI. They do head to TEI in the in you know in their first year and start getting hands-on clinical lab experience, um, but when they they begin in their second year to get that direct interaction where they're actually performing um, diagnostics and things like that on patients in the second year. Um, so you do get exposure and start observing in the clinic in your first year, but then you then you're the one really doing things with patients in your second year. Awesome. And this question, like it may not make sense, but for the accelerated program, do they still take the part one of boards with their like regular cohort or do they take it a year early? Um, I believe they would be taking it a year early because um, I have to check on that. That's a good question. Um, but because they're an accelerated pace, um, they're able, they're ready and prepared um, to take it. I believe in their second year it would be, but I would have, let me double check on that. I don't wanna, I don't wanna give the wrong information. Okay, yeah, no worries. I'll um, update that in the episode um, description. All right, so um, another question. So since, you know, PCO's main focus is obviously optometry, um, are all the instructors ODs in the program? Uh, no, actually, we do, while we do have many ODs um, as professors and adjuncts and um, things like that, we actually do bring in other experts in their field. Um, so, 
you know, for the head and neck anatomy, you're going to be learning from an anatomist who has a PhD um, or for certain courses um, like microbiology, you'll be learning from somebody that has um, expertise in that particular topic area. Um, so yes, you'll, you'll be interacting with a lot of optometry faculty members, but you'll also be interacting with people that are experts in particular topic areas. Um, we also have a lot of interprofessional education opportunities. And one of those courses is called evidence-based practice, where you'll be not only in a class with your optometry peers, but you'll also be in a class with students from other uh, programs. So we have an audiology program, physician assistant, occupational therapy, speech language pathology. Um, and in that course, you will be hearing from professors from those programs as well. <clears throat> so you might have you know, a course with an audiology professor um, teaching you um, in evidence-based practice or something along those lines. So it really all depends on the topic area. Um, we try to keep the professors, um, you know, have our students learn from experts in their field. Awesome. So um, roughly by the end of the program, um, what's the estimated number of patients that your students um, are estimated to see? Because of our early um, clinical experience, um, along with our early entry into the externships, our students will have graduated with over 3,000 patient encounters, roughly. Wow. All right. Um, so while we're on the topics of um, patients, what is the patient population like in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, where the school is? Yep, so I always say that um, I, I like our location because our academic buildings are in Elkins Park, which is really like a, a suburb outside of Philadelphia. So you have that kind of suburban feel, quiet campus, um, you know, not, not too much of a city-like feel. However, three miles down the road is our I Institute, TEI, which is our main clinical um, teaching facility for our students. And three miles down the road is Philadelphia city limits. Um, so you do have more of an urban kind of environment. So they really get the best of both worlds with a quiet campus, but also you know a more urban um, clinic where the patients are very diverse. Um, and that's not just with background, race and ethnicity, ages, but it's also very diverse ocular diseases coming into the clinic, different types of eye issues that are going on, glaucoma, there's a high glaucoma population in Philadelphia area. Um, so patients, so students are exposed to very diverse patient encounters um, at a variety of ages um, so that by the, by the time they graduate, they feel pretty confident and they're seeing um, various things um, that you might not necessarily see in a more, you know, suburban type of area. Um, our, our patients are more underserved. So sometimes they may not have seen an eye doctor until, you know, they can't see, you know. So um, not only are, is it a great learning environment for our students, but we're giving back to the more underserved community. Awesome. So um, while we're still on the topic of that, 
Um, how are students involved on campus or in the community when they're not in class? Um, what are some opportunities um, that they have um, at PCO that allows them to um, be involved uh, outside of the classroom? Sure, there's definitely a lot of opportunities. So if you wanna be involved in the community or on campus, you have plenty of opportunity to do so. We have a very active student council, which is interprofessional student council. So they are um, from students from across all of our programs on the executive board and they represent the entire student population. You can also get involved at the student council level for your, for your um, class as class council. Um, there's ambassadors, they represent the university at alumni events or admissions events or just community events in general. Um, we have peer mentoring. So if you want to kind of be able to assist younger classmen, um, once you're, you know, an upperclassman, you can, you can certainly become a peer mentor or take part and be a mentee. Um, we have various clubs and organizations on campus, everything from profession specific, various state organizations for optometry. We have a private practice club. We have um, Lions Club um, and different things like that. Um, National Optometric Student Association, um, as well as we call it Students for Optometry for Service to Humanity, and they and they serve um, in um, different countries. Um, you know, pre-COVID anyway. Um, so uh, there, there's that going on. Then there's also affinity groups. So if you, you know, are interested in getting involved in, um, we have a, a Christian student group, we have a um, student group for um, uh, Black Student Union. We have students that are interested in assisting with pediatrics um, and, and, the, and, and children and things like that. Um, so we have a variety of different things that you can get involved in. And if for some reason you find that you're interested in something and there's not a club on campus yet, if you have enough people that are interested in joining your club, you can work with our student engagement office and start your own club too. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunity to get involved. Awesome. Okay. So the next question is kind of not a very fun question, but something we have to talk about and that is when you know a student doesn't do as well as they hope they would and you know things just don't go as planned failures something you know no one ever anticipates you don't plan for it but it could happen um so what is the process like to support your students at PCO when in, they're in that situation or so like you said we never want to see our students in that situation um but you know optometry school is not easy. Um, and sometimes it's kind of like a shock when students come from undergrad to um, professional school. Um, you know, I've heard the, the metaphor that it's like a fire hydrant where you have so much information coming at you um, that it's a little overwhelming at times. Um, it's, it's definitely doable and you can do it, but sometimes people need a little bit more resources. So, which we certainly encourage and we certainly provide. Um, so, we try to avoid the remediation process. Um, we, we have students have, there's academic progress meetings. So if a student is struggling in a course, um, they have mid, mid uh, an academic progress meeting midway through the course and at the end of the course, um, they had advisors 
There's the Center for Personal and Professional Development that also assists with students in teaching them time management skills, studying skills. Um, we have peer tutoring for our students as well if they're struggling with a particular course. Um, so we really try to, to prevent remediation, but if for some reason a student does fail a course um, and they, they are given the chance to remediate, there's three different types of ways that students can remediate. There is a directed study approach, which is really only by approval of the dean. Um, there is uh, remediation by, re by taking the exams once, uh, once again, um, or in, there's remediation through re-enrollment of the course. Um, so it just depends on, on how the student did in the course, where their weaknesses are, um, and where, what, which type of remediation is going to best provide them with the tools to be successful in the end. Um, so we definitely try to keep track of our students, um, meet with them on a regular basis. I would say professors are, professors are very, very um, accessible. Um, you just need to reach out and ask for help. You know, I have to say, I'm really impressed that you guys um, customize even remediation to students based on how they did in that course. Um, and when you said um, re-enrollment of the course, so do you take it again the following year on top of your regular coursework or do you have to repeat that entire semester? It, it depends. It really just depends on where they're at in the program. Um, if they need a customized uh, course of study, the, the program will work with you. I have seen students that had to retake the full semester. Um, so it, yeah, it just depends on um, where they're at in the program um, and if they're able to um, either take an additional course on top of what requirements they have to complete or if they need to um, you know, start the semester over again. Awesome, okay. Um, so while we're on the topic of exams, um, Two big exams that optometrists have to take while they're in school, in addition to their um, obviously clinical exams. So national boards, um, how do you guys prepare your students for national boards? Yes, so um, we do our best to try to make sure students are going to be well prepared for the board. So that starts even in your courses. So professors, while they're lecturing, will highlight things that will be on the boards. Um, or most likely will be on the board. So they'll make sure to point it out while they're actually lecturing. Like, make sure you keep this in mind, this is gonna be on the boards. Um, when it's time for the boards, um, you know, um, particularly part one, because that seems to be the hardest, um, the, di you know, the basic science uh, portion. Um, we do provide a number of activities that prepares our students. Um, we, we try to um, have studying sessions on particular um, topic areas. Um, we have electronic exams that mimic what are going to be um, the type of um, how, the, how the boards are kind of formatted as well. And we also bring in um, a company called KMK Educational Services. Um, they're, they're on campus throughout second and third year, um, and students are able to do um, those preparation sessions um, in addition to faculty and student board review sessions um, that are, are provided by the faculty. 
Um, so we do our best to really make sure that our, that our students are gonna be prepared. We also make sure that, um, you know, they have time to prepare as well. I mean, obviously we have to go through coursework, but there is preparation time allocated for prior to the boards. Um, and we make sure that students do not go off campus um, for their clinical rotations until, until after they take the boards. Or at least part one, part one of the boards. Part one, okay. And that is during their third year if they're in the regular program, correct? Correct, yes. All right, so after, you know, you're done with um, first part of boards, then fourth year comes around and you go on your externships. So where can students extern and do they have to do an in-house rotation at PCL? So externships actually begin in the second half of the third year for the students here at PCO Salas. Um, so after um, the part one of the boards, then they start their externship experience um, in their third year. Um, we do have specific requirements for um, rotations. So one does have to be at the I Institute, um, which is, you know, on campus here at, at Salas. Um, one has to be within a hospital um, or interprofessional setting. One has to be in a disease site. And the other one, oh, now I'm losing, I lost, what is it, what is it? I think I have it here, hold on. I just want to make sure I have the right one. Oh, contact lens site, that's it. Um, so so within, um, within those settings, other than the, the one rotation at the I Institute, students can go anywhere. We have over 400 active sites in the US and the United States. And we also do have a couple of international sites um, at uh, military bases. Um, so, you know, students can really kind of pick and choose where they want to go. Um, you know, we do have an ex externship office that provides information of all of our active sites. Um, and, you know, some sites are more popular than others, um, but for the most part, um, if you want to stick close to campus during your entire time here, you can. If you want to head back, say you're from, you know, California and you want to do your rotations out by your hometown, that is, that is doable as well. I also know a student that decided that it was time that, you know, they want to take the opportunity to travel. So they did one rotation up in Alaska. They did another one in North Carolina. They did one in their hometown, and then they did one here in Philadelphia at the I Institute. Um, within our I Institute, we also have a variety of different um, specialty areas. So students get rotated through there during their, their clinical experience in, in the program. But um, when they're doing the rotation, um, they can do it in primary care, pediatrics, the cornea contact lens specialty. We also have emergency specialty areas, um, so so that's something that they'll they'll get access to. Um, we have low vision specialty as well, vision therapy. Um, so they'll they'll be they'll be exposed to that during the program also. Awesome. And would you say the selection process is based on like class rankings, or is it first come first serve? Like if you want this location, um, no one else signed up for it, you can get that location? How does that kind of work? Yep. That's exactly what happens. You know, if, if there's multiple people signing up for a location and there's not enough spots for everyone, because some locations have 
more than one spot available. Um, if if that's the case, it's not it's not there's no um, GPA or anything like that. Basically, you go into like a um, a randomized you know match process. Um, so you provide what your top three sites are, and you know you at least get one of your top three. Awesome. Okay, so that is all the questions I have about the program for you. Um, I just have one more question, um, just a random question. So for anyone who's not from the area, um, interested in PCO, does not know a lot about the area, what are some of your favorite uh, favorite things to do for fun, like local restaurants, coffee shops, um, outdoor things to do um, around Elkins Park? So I definitely, I'm originally from New Jersey um, and I moved to the Philadelphia area for my undergrad and I've been here ever since. So I love, you know, the Philadelphia area. It's not even just the city or center city, but it's also the um, area around the city that I think is really great, um, including Elkins Park. Um, there's definitely a lot of <clears throat> things to do in the city, like a typical city, a lot of history, obviously Philadelphia. Um, there's a lot of history going on, but there's a lot to do outside. There's Valley Forge Park is a really great historical park, great for hiking as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of good restaurants in, in, in the surrounding area. I live in a town called Conshohocken outside of the Philadelphia area. So that's kind of where I go for my um, dining out. Um, and there's some really great Italian restaurants there. Um, you know, there's lots of, you know, just different fun things to do um, in terms of museums and theater uh, and things like that. And what's nice, too, is that we're within driving distance to um, the beach, um, so the New Jersey Shore, um, so you can get some beach time in. And we're also close to the Pocono Mountains, um, so not too far away from there. Granted, they're not like any kind of mountains that you see out in like Colorado, um, but there are some opportunities to ski if you like skiing or snowboarding as well. Um, so definitely lots to do, um, you know, in and around the city. Awesome. Well, Monica, thank you so much for your time. This was a great episode. Yes, thank you so much. And I just want to say, um, you know, if anyone has any questions, just reach out to admissions at salus.edu. We're really happy to help and even if you want to talk to students or faculty, we'll put you in touch with, with people so you can ask more questions and, and um, best of luck to everyone on their professional and educational journey to optometry. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. And I did confirm with Monica, so students enrolled in the Accelerated Scholars Program do take part one of the boards um, during March of their second year. Um, so that's all for this year. I will see you guys right back here next week with a brand new episode with Oklahoma College of Optometry. Happy New Year. And as always, we'll be keeping it OD. Thank you guys.